Welcome to Thinking Edge with Ed Boudreaux. So we're really happy to have Liz Powers here today. She's the the co-founder and chief happiness spreader, which I love that title of Art Lifting, which is an incredible social good in the world. And I'm really excited uh, for you, Liz, to share that with us. So I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and your history and, and what led to Art Lifting. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, So my background is starting when I was 18, I did volunteer social work. Learned so much while doing that. Uh, One main thing was clients told me, Liz, I want an opportunity, not a handout. Uh, So much easier said than done to help employ individuals. Some clients I worked with literally an hour a week for years applying to hundreds of jobs. And it was really frustrating because, you know, seeing the heartbreak um, with the clients who I knew really deeply, but also thinking through how can I redefine what a quote-unquote job is in order to include more people in the economy. I didn't have an answer to that immediately, but was always thinking about Uh, Ended up switching careers to art therapy and homeless shelters, and that's when everything clicked because I saw really saleable artwork, not just produced in my groups, but all across the country. There are about a thousand existing art therapy groups and shelters and social service agencies. So I thought, what a no-brainer, curate the top work from all these existing groups and create much-needed income for these artists but also help them build confidence and be defined by their talent rather than their circumstance. That's, that's amazing. And one of the things I, I think about quite a bit is, is the social determinants of, of health. And we talk about it all the, all the time. And you've actually taken an action around that in terms of finding a way to help people help themselves through an amazing, you know, beautiful way how did how do you think about putting the you know the original ideas together around art lifting and how did art lifting come to being? Yeah, so um, I had this idea in the back of my mind that I wanted to redefine what a job could be, mm-hmm. but it was you know floating in that mind of mine <laughs> for about five years. Wow. Yep. Without a solution, and then when I was at the grassroots level running art therapy groups, everything really clicked. Hmm. Um, saw really saleable artwork in front of me, mm. realized it's across the country yeah. in about a thousand existing groups. So right. that's when I decided, okay, I need to start art lifting as a way to create a marketplace that bridges individuals who otherwise wouldn't have a chance to sell their work with the endless buyers out there who would desperately love to support their community members and purchase beautiful work that also has an inspirational story attached. That's amazing. And how are companies receiving your, you know, art lifting itself? And what engagements have you seen with companies? It's been wild. So my brother and I started art lifting six years ago. Originally, it was just a B2C company. So Mm -hmm. just selling to individuals. And then we're really blessed to get big press. Um, Today's show and cover of New York Times business section and that led wow. to all of these inbounds from companies. Yep. 
So I wish we could say it was this like brilliant plan <laughs> um, to pivot to B2B, but uh, it was really learn as you go. And over the last three years, we've built relationships with about 200 corporations, wow. which has been amazing. Um, we did licensed gift cards with Starbucks with our art printed on their cards. Wow. Most of the companies we work with purchase wall art as a way to make their values visible. One thing that I've learned is obviously almost every company has a corporate social responsibility wing, but typically those values aren't visible every day to an employee. You know, it might be a foundation that's in a different building in a different state, but having the artwork hanging above someone's desk or in the cafeteria with the inspirational story on the artist's plaque has really made a big impact on team cultures. That's amazing. I, I found myself uh, yesterday walking through our building and thinking about art lifting and what kind of, you know, stories are behind, you know, the art itself. I'd love to hear from you if you're willing to share, you know, some of the personal stories of, you know, transformation that you've seen with, with some of the artists. It's been unreal. That's what motivates me every mm. day is I think with a typical social enterprise, most have the handout model where you sell a bunch of stuff and then you give a percentage to charity. Um, but art lifting is really unique in that we know the tangible impact on individuals we're making and we're creating jobs for them. Right. Um, one example is Scott Benner. He actually went from homelessness to housing. He has a really eye-opening story, which makes people realize, okay, homeless people aren't quote unquote lazy. It's oftentimes either due to mental health or really tough circumstances. So Scott had done everything right. He saved six figures. Uh, he had been a steel worker his whole life. And then during the recession, he lost his job. Wow. And that's what he calls the beginning of the perfect storm. So he was unemployed, applying, applying, applying to jobs without luck. And then he got Horner syndrome which is a disease that makes you unpredictably dizzy and confused. So all of a sudden, he couldn't even apply for steel working jobs because if a bout hit while he was operating heavy equipment, he wow. could kill someone. Um, but then the perfect storm continued, and Scott's wife ended up getting cancer. So all of a sudden, they were both unemployed, had really extreme medical expenses, and that six figures of savings went fairly quickly within a few years. And long story short, Scott ended up homeless, uh, sleeping under the bushes near a local subway station in Boston. And then later on, when it got cold in October, moving into a shelter called Father Bill's in the Boston area. Uh, it's been amazing to see Scott's life change over the last few years. Um, so while he was in the shelter, he just happened to see Art Lifting on the news, reached out to info at artlifting.com, and it's been a whirlwind ever since. He now has housing. He's sold originals for as much as $25,000 and sold all over the world, including to a bunch of Google offices. Uh, Starbucks chose his artwork to license on their gift cards. He's really made a name for himself. Wow, that's, uh, that's just amazing. And, you know, it makes me think about bringing beauty to the world. 
and it's uh, there's so many layers to what what you do, what art lifting does, and beauty to the world, and helping folks who are in a situation like Scott, and not only making his life beautiful, but bringing the art to other places as well, other companies. And there's just multiple layers of, of beauty there. Really reminds me of a, a book that I'm currently reading, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, which is typical companies measure themselves by quarters, by yearly revenue goals, whatever it might be. But the point of, of this book is to take those kind of false measures away and think about the world in the long run in terms of you know the social good you can do, the beauty you can bring to the world. And that becomes the infinite game in terms of incredible heartfelt story around Scott and what you do as a company. Are, are you, where do you see your growth path with, with art lifting in terms of that infinite game and, and how you can actually bring more social good to the world as you're doing now? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think of it in three categories. So one is our impact on our artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to continue to deepen our impact. We're really proud that our artists have earned over a million dollars. Wow. And several, like Scott, have gone from homelessness to housing. In terms of artists, I'd love to continue to expand our artist base, eventually be in all 50 states. We're in 23 now. And after expanding in the U.S., continue to expand internationally. In terms of impact on our customers, speaking of you know the domino effect of change on people, one thing that we've heard is if these pieces and the artist stories on the plaques really bring perspective to each day of if I'm having a bad day and plan A didn't work, well, I look up and I see Eric Santa Maria's art on the wall and plan A didn't work for Eric either because he couldn't paint with his hands. Um, he's in a wheelchair and has cerebral palsy and doesn't, didn't decide to not create. Instead, he paints with his wheelchair with the canvas on the ground. So I'd love to continue to bring that perspective to our clients and help provide just positive karma that, you know, affects them and their relationship with their own clients. In terms of our third level of impact, I think about other social entrepreneurs. About 95% of social enterprises today are that handout model that I was mentioning of selling stuff, and then donating to charity. Provides so much more dignity to individuals by actually creating jobs for them. So my goal is to inspire other social entrepreneurs that this much more difficult path within social enterprises is possible and that they can do it too. Wow, that's amazing. You you truly think in, in the infinite mindset. It's just incredibly inspiring around thinking about not only the the artists themselves, you know, companies you're impacting, people within the companies, and then transforming mindset around, I call it the one degree shift in thinking, transforming mindset around folks that are in, in social responsibility, social good, and inspiring them to really think differently about their current models. That's, uh, that's amazing. You should find in maybe they're thinking in a finite way in terms of looking for donors and then giving folks, instead of enabling them to actually create their own beautiful future, creating a, a relationship that, that is finite. So I love that, that idea around you know, the infinite relationship and building people 
to really create for themselves. That's, that's beautiful. And yeah, one more layer on that is one thing that I think about it. So before lifting, I was working with nonprofits for mm. eight years and it drove me crazy thinking about all of my friends and nonprofits and we're all doing great things, but we're competing for this same mm. pot of money. Right. So I thought, well, how can we grow this pot of money? And I think that's the beauty in for-profit, for-purpose companies. Um, so art lifting, when people hear our mission, they assume we're a nonprofit, but we're actually a for-profit company. We're what's called a benefit corporation. So we have a legally binding social mission, um, but we also have shareholders and investors that have helped us scale much more quickly than we would have otherwise. Wow. So as social for-profit social enterprises we're helping grow that pot of money not only through our own business dealings but also with our lifting we donate one percent of profits back to all of the shelters and disability centers we work with to help them uh, pay for art supplies to give a sense of scale so when i was running art groups and shelters my annual budget was a couple thousand dollars um, so we're making a real impact on our partners' budgets as well. I want to dig in a little bit around your mindset because you're one of the most profound folks we've had on the podcast. And the reason is, is because of what you just articulated and how you're thinking completely differently about everything. How do you, how do you, what's your mental model and, and how, how did you actually arrive at these conclusions? It, it's just fascinating for me. I've, I think starting at the grassroots is how I arrived at these conclusions. Right, right, right. Um, so to give a specific example, when I graduated college, Harvard has two fellowships a year that pays graduating seniors a quote-unquote salary. It's really a stipend to create your own self-designed public service project. Mm. So mine was after four years of volunteer social work, clients kept telling me, Liz, I'm really lonely. So I've been an artist my whole life. So I thought, why not create art groups and local shelters to solve at least a tiny bit of this loneliness problem? Um, the challenge was the Harvard Fellowship specifically only paid my salary, and I wasn't allowed to use any of that money for supplies. It's smart of them to do because the type of person that gets that fellowship is the type that would, you know, only live on ramen and give everything <laughs> right, right. they possibly could to the program. But I was stuck in a bind because I had 12 months. I had, I recruited women in the shelter really quickly. So, you know, I'm sitting there with women in front of me and they need art supplies today. They don't need it in a year and a half. And one of the grants that I applied to for art supplies it was 14 pages long for a $5,000 grant. And from when I applied, you know, spent many, many hours filling out the application to when I received the check, it was a year and a half. Wow. So just having bang your head against the wall moments like that made me realize, okay, this, <laughs> there's a lot of room for disruption within right. uh, social good. Um, you know, my short-term solution was my parents weren't very happy about. It was uh, posting on Craigslist and different websites to get free art supplies. And I'd, you know, go to strangers' basements and hope that I wouldn't get killed right, and right. that I was actually getting their grandmother's old crayons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moments like that 
repeatedly over eight years are what led me to think a little bit more outside the box. That's that's amazing. So, you know, problem solving, uh, looking at things in a different way, uh, disrupting patterns, right? This is just isn't working, um, but looking for those patterns as well and looking for solutions, you know, for folks. And I'd love to drill on, and it's it's a little bit obvious, but why, why the title Chief, Chief Happiness Spreader? Um, my brother came up with it. That's awesome. <laughs> so originally, when we, we started the company with 4,000 of our savings, and he was the chief boring stuff doer, and I was the chief <laughs> happiness spreader. That's awesome. Um, the reason I have that title, so one, we're a very different company, um, so we didn't want to have normal titles. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to embrace our difference. Um, in terms of chief happiness spreader specifically, I think about the happiness that obviously we're spreading to our artists of creating hope in their lives, um, but also the happiness that we're spreading to our customers of having this piece that really makes them reflect each day and feel connected to the artist and also be aware of the tangible impact they've made on their life of they've contributed to them gaining housing or for artists who are autistic and nonverbal, they've contributed to creating alternative jobs. It's amazing. It reminds me of, there's a book, Beautiful Constraints, and it reminds me of you looking at the constraints you are currently under, thinking about driving happiness, having deep empathy for whom you are serving and really enabling them to have a beautiful life, but others as well that you know are appreciating the the art, and uh, just couldn't be more inspired by by our conversation you know today. And I usually end with I'd, I'd love for for you to think about um, you know what are the three pieces of advice that you'd give an inspiring entrepreneur um, you know in in this space. What what would you you know what wisdom would you impart on them? First, I would say stay balanced. Mm-hmm. It was really, really easy as an entrepreneur to burn out, and I've seen many friends burn out. Um, you know, there's a thousand things you could do every day, but if you work till 11 p.m. every day, then you'll only last a few years. Yeah. Um, so if you're in it for the long run, make sure you're not working every moment of the day and you're making sh- time for friends and exercise because... There will be many ups and downs and there will be points where you're almost going out of business and you need that supportive community around you. The second piece of advice I would say is always be mindful of the balance of being conservative and courageous. I constantly think about what level of risk is the appropriate amount to take. Um, Of course, we want to grow our impact really quickly. But I'm very thoughtful on, I don't want to take too much risk because if we invest in a ton of staff and our revenue doesn't grow as quickly as our expenses, then if we go out of business, we're really deeply affecting our artists. Um, For many of them, we're the main piece of hope in their lives. And it would be crushing to me to not be able to continue to provide that hope. Um, So I think there's much more pressure on social entrepreneurs than Mm. a typical entrepreneur um, to be sustainable. You know, we constantly see in the news, typical entrepreneurs getting hundreds of millions of investment and blowing through it and getting going out of business. Um, But that 
deeply hurts people if you're a social entrepreneur. Right. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Third piece of advice. <laughs> Let's think of one. Um, I think third piece of advice would be to, obviously, social entrepreneurs have empathy for the individuals they're serving, um, but to also have empathy for mm-hmm. your team uh, and make sure you're very mindful of creating a positive team environment where everyone knows they their voice is heard. Um, I think, you know, especially when I was younger and this was literally my first job even working in a business and I was starting a business. I wasn't as aware of the importance of mentoring and um, really lifting up my fellow team members. I, I love it. So, you know, stay balanced, make sure you have a good support system around you, you know, as you, as you head into the new, new venture, cause you're going to need that, that structure behind you. And then I love your comment around being conservative, but being creative and balancing the risk of a new venture, because you know, what you're doing is incredibly important. And then empathy for those around you, um, because there's a lot of pressure perhaps, you know, especially within this area, because your desire to help other people is, is probably so high and you have to be you know, conscious of the folks that are around you. That's, that's amazing. Liz, this was one of the most powerful uh, podcasts that we've had so far um, around you know, social good and, and you know, what you bring to the world. And I couldn't thank you enough for being here today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely.